Today on the Vinyl Community Podcast, it's a tale of two record collectors. We're going to be discussing the varied experiences of two collectors who have entered the hobby at two very different times. Welcome. I'm your host, Rob, from the Vinyl Community YouTube channel, Northern Revolutions, and I'm joined today by my friend and fellow Vinyl Community YouTube uh, creator, Jason Arsenault. Welcome, Jason. Thanks, Rob. Good to be here. No problem. I'm very glad to have you. Uh, for those that uh, may not know Jason, he's new to the YouTube world. He's been a longtime um, viewer and uh, comment contributor to all of us that have been making videos on YouTube. And through a little bit of persuasion over several months, Jason has finally thrown his hat in the ring and started making some videos. And uh, I'll leave a link to Jason's channel in the YouTube description and on the podcast page. Um, he is a very talented presenter with a knowledge <laughs> of music that I think surpasses mine. So, um, Not a chance. Oh, a come chance. on now. Come on now, you're too modest. Anyway, I thought uh, I came up with the idea a little while ago that um, you and I have very different vantage points of the record collecting hobby. And I, just by nature of when I started and when you started, our experiences are very different. So I thought we would talk about that today uh, for those that haven't seen some of your videos in that. When when did you decide that vinyl records was going to be a, a thing that was of interest to you, and it, how did that get started? Uh, yeah, it was one of those things. I kind of represent the part of the VC that, or the part that everyone should hate, which is the guy that came on at COVID and then made the hobby blow up and the prices went up, right? So I'll wear that hat all day. But uh, ultimately, I knew when I was like, a kid that I was going to have records one day. I was going to have a record player. My family had a record player, very modest, nothing system, and they never even used it. Like I could v vaguely remember a time when they used the eight track or the record player, but I was always sitting at the, the cabinet flipping through what they had and they had, they had crap like sorry mom and dad but like they didn't <laughs> have great records or something that I really wanted to listen to. There was about three or four, uh, music records and then there was a couple George Carlin records and I would always just put those on what would have been a heavy rotation for me right but uh, and then became a teenager and then I they were just the thing was collecting dust so I yarded this huge thing up to my room and put it in my room and again same old few records and when it was finally time to leave the house of course all that stayed there knowing full well someday you know I'll have a record player I've always been you know music first kind of guy uh, and so it was bound to happen. And then finally, uh, you know, there was a couple of years where I almost, you know, totally ignorant to the, the whole hobby and the tech side of things. I almost went and bought the uh, Crosley type of things. And I'm glad I didn't, you know, not that I'm going to crap all over that idea, not at all. But um, I wanted to enter the hobby kind of properly, if that's the right word. So I, you know, I waited until the right time came. And then sure enough, you know, COVID happened and I'm sitting around a lot more. Like, I think a buddy of mine got a record player and I'm like, why haven't I done this yet? This was supposed to happen forever ago. So bit the bullet, got on board and fell hardcore in love with it. Like I, I, to this day, I can't stop consuming content from you guys. 
and now creating my own and just talking and listening. And I, I say to Sam all the time, Sam St. John, that, you know, stop giving me homework. Like I keep getting ideas <laughs> for bands to listen to. And thanks to you and Chance's podcast, I've been on this Grace Potter kick lately. So yeah, I, uh, I started late, but the passion was on very early. Nice. Yeah. For point of contrast, my record journey and I've talked about it on my channel in the past, vastly different than yours. I think we're about the same age, right? We're in our 40s, right? 43, yeah. Okay, I'm 45. So we're very yeah. close in age. Um, but my my journey was much, much different. I grew up with a dad who was a passionate music fan, regular concert goer, big vinyl collection, great stereo system, and the first thing I think about when I think about my dad is him playing records. Like this, that was ever present in our household. And it was early 90s, I would say 94-ish, when I would have been 15, something like that. That's when the, the music bug bit me. And like many folks, the Beatles were kind of my gateway. And that was at the time that the Beatles put out the anthologies and it was on TV and it was a big thing. And I didn't really know anything about them. And that just kind of opened the floodgates. And when I went off to university, not that I went off to university, I went to university in the same town that I live in. But when I got my own place, dad allowed me to take his Beatles records and I slowly started you know, building my collection from there, you know, in the late nineties when record collecting wasn't really a thing. I mean, that's, that's the heyday of the CD boom. Right. Um, so for me, records has always been my preferred format. I have CDs, but I don't really listen to them anymore, but vinyl was always my thing. And I always bought vinyl and, you know, for the last 30 years, when an album came out, if it was available on vinyl, I bought it on vinyl. So very different experience than than what you had. And I think that alone will, will probably illustrate some big differences in, in how we collect and how we built our yeah. collections. Um, your yeah, it's interesting because you grew up with a bit of a you know a guide per se or yes. a, you know a, a structured kind of mentality to how to do this and what you need to do it correctly and then I kind of dove in at the same time as thousands of other people and depending on pretty much the content you absorbed it kind of leaned you to, towards a certain way like another guy that collects records in town my one of my closest friends you know he doesn't give a crap about pressings and mastering engineers and, and all the power to him it really is all about the music thank right. you Mazzy but um but I fell down that rabbit hole and now I'm looking for the the names of the mastering engineers I'm enjoying looking at the dead wax and and I'm the very opposite different of that. Kind I, could, of I couldn't give a crap I'm just it's about yeah me. and I and I think you're right and I'm wrong but I can't no no the, there's uh, no right or wrong I, I, think, I think it's I know but it's it's so fun to to nerd out, I guess, on that yeah. level. But yeah. I mean, I nerd out on when we're talking about the Beatles. I have 17 Sgt. Peppers and I have those 17 for a very specific reason on each of them. Aside from them, yeah. as long as it's in good shape, you know, I'm a happy guy. What uh, yeah. what drew you to vinyl? What, what was it about the format that, that was the allure? I think it's, you know, there's nothing too original about my story. I think it's just that 
owning that physical copy and you keep hearing actually you know what i heard something on i don't know if it was true or not or just internet fodder that i forget what actor it was someone had brought up a question and it was relative to movies but it's it relates well to records it's like i own all these records i own all these movies through apple but when i die what what the hell happens to them you know um so there's that kind of mentality of it the physically owning the piece um i think i've always been a bit of a collector in some ways i don't really have a lot of you know, baseball cards and things like that. But the mentality has always been there to, to want to hold on to something and more importantly, like to organize something, right. I'm pretty, you know, kind of anal retentive in that state. Like it's gotta be a way, it's gotta be the right way. It's gotta be the wrong way. And, and I want to make sure it's done right. So it's, so it allows me to kind of put that out there, but without annoying anyone else, right. I can do my own thing. I can, I can scratch that itch all I want. And, uh, and records really gives me that opportunity. Now I did, you know, I, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid pretty early on that there is a specific sound to it. And, uh, and I, and I want to encourage that. And I have a very modest system. Like I, I, it's not a very good system. It's not terrible, but I'm collecting for the system that I'll have one day, right. I'll save my pennies and I'll get something pretty special or whatever special for, for my budget anyway. But, um, so I'm collecting records because I want to get great sound. I'm collecting records because I want to hold on to pieces of artists that mean something to me, right? They really came down to, and that was my first, and I guess every vinyl collector, when, whenever you start, you have that thing. I'm only going to collect the ones that mean a lot to me. Like you would have said, <laughs> I'm only going to collect that one Sergeant Pepper album that means a lot to me. And then, and then it just kind of builds, right? So we all fall into that trap of, of starting out with good intentions. And then it kind of, the rationalizations that we all throw in there, um, they're hilarious, right? It's like, ah, yeah, but, but this ends up being a good artist too. Or I didn't know about this artist and now it means something to me. So now I'll yep. collect everything by the band free or whatever it is. Right? right. So I, uh, I got lots of, lots of justifications for all the purchases. It's like, you go through my records and I was like, Oh, I know why I got this. Oh, I know why I got this. And would I get rid of it? No, hell no. I'm not getting rid of right. any of these yet. <laughs> the thought of getting rid of a record. I just, I can't, I can't fathom that idea. I know. I even had a, a section on my phone for note. I have a whole bunch of sections on my phone in the notes section for everything record related. I have a section for records to consider to sell. And I initially put a couple titles on there and I have never added to it. And I still haven't gotten rid of the ones that I was that are on there. It's like, right. it's a, one of them is a copy of, of rumors, but cause I got the Kevin Gray rumors, which is like sonically beautiful. Right. But I don't want to get rid of the old one either. Cause right. it's an old one. And I, and I really, and we'll probably get into the weeds about OGs versus uh, re reissues and stuff, but um, I don't want to get rid of either of them. <laughs> yep. I, and I have both of those as well. And I don't need the original cause I have the Kevin Gray, but, <laughs> but it's cool. <laughs> I, I kind of have them both. My, yeah. my perspective on it, uh, somewhat different. I'm, I'm not an audiophile. Um, and if that's what somebody wants to be, knock yourself out. I couldn't care less. Uh, I can't tell the difference the majority of the time. My ears are crap. I've got tinnitus. I, I, can't, I can't tell the difference uh, a lot of the time. For me, the appeal to vinyl, uh, it, it, it's a couple parts to it. It's I enjoy the tactile experience of taking this large 12 by 12 piece of physical <laughs> media, pulling it out of its jacket, putting it on the turntable, brushing it off, putting the needle down. I just love that experience. Uh, and I love sitting there with a, you know, a big jacket and reading whatever notes happen to be on there. And I, and I, you know, an album is a work of art musically, but I, for me, 
my brain says that the actual, again, physical format of the LP is an extension of that work of art is a, it's, it's big, it's, it's beautiful artwork. The vinyl record itself, I think looks beautiful. I just enjoy that whole physical experience of vinyl, having to get up yeah. halfway through the album and flip it over. Uh, and I also, I think there's a, a sort of a nostalgic component, maybe not as nostalgic for someone who's new to the hobby, but it's kind of, especially when I'm talking about albums from the 70s or 60s or even 80s, vinyl was how those albums were released. And to me, a CD just, it, it feels like a copy of the original and I don't mean the sound. It just it doesn't feel like the genuine artifact. I, mm-hmm. you know, the artist created that forty years ago to be on a piece of twelve-inch black wax. And I, to me, that was all of that together always drew me to vinyl. I just, and it's it's great that you started. Like we have these vastly different experiences how we started, but we both totally meld on that one idea and i'm a massive champion of the album experience right so back in the 60s and 70s when they're recording these things they are intentionally putting them together in a specific order and that order also corresponds with what with what song is on what side of the album that's the intention that was their intention my listeners my fans are going to listen to it this way yep and I, and you know, and things have changed now and now we're in a, a music industry where singles are kind of the thing, right? But I'm hoping we're kind of moving towards more back to the album experience again. I don't really know where the industry's going, but I feel like back in the day, that's what it was, right? This is what you're supposed to do. You listen to all this, right? And I'm sure you can pick up the needle and drop it wherever you want. But I think most collectors and most vinyl enthusiasts probably appreciate the idea that you put it here you let it ride out and then you pick it up, you flip it, you put it here and you let it ride out. And and it's, that's uh, a good awesome. point. It's far too easy in this digital age to be listening to an album. I don't like that song. Skip. I don't like that song. Skip. I mean, yeah. granted you can do that on vinyl, but it takes a little bit more finesse. There's yeah. <laughs> something about that's designed to be listened to start to finish. And, and I'm an album guy. I don't want to listen to, a mix, like a, a playlist. I don't want to listen to a mix tape or a mix CD. I want to listen to an album from start to finish. And I always do. Even if there's stuff on there that I'm not a big fan of, I still want to listen to the entire thing. So I think vinyl forces you to do that. It forces you to maybe a, literally take time to appreciate the music, yeah. which is a little less of a priority i think in the 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 you know itunes spotify era yeah and what are you going to get when you're streaming music when it comes to the liner notes ability like i know apple can do a write a write up right and about an artist and i'll read that sure but it's not the same as sitting down listening and then you're cracking open like you said this big 12 inch square that's you know intentionally put together the way the artist and their producers wanted like you want to learn about this album this is what we're going to give you to learn about it beyond that it's so you know you don't need to know anything beyond this is their mentality right right i mean those uh, streaming platforms are great for you know exploring something new like you mentioned mentioned off the top that you got turned on to grace potter from the podcast that chance and i did and a good way to, okay, well, that's an artist I've never heard. Let me go stream a couple songs on Spotify. You know, fine, cool. That's great. 
I, I sometimes I don't I don't really do that, but I can see that as a, a an avenue for it. But yeah, that's that's exactly how I use it. And and to that point, I think a couple of weeks ago I was trying to get better organized with all this homework that you guys keep giving me and creating just throwing the albums into a playlist because I still have and I talked I reconnected with a buddy of mine who lives back east and uh, and because he saw my my post and he's like hey nice job and I was like hey thanks a lot and he's like I'm still listening to the same crap I used to I'm like me too my phone still has like a thousand plus songs that I got from Napster or LimeWire or whatever right yeah so I need to be organized with my and be more intentional this is all about being intentional with music right and and back to streaming streaming is my avenue to purchase new records <laughs> that makes sense. that's a good way to it's a good way to put it yeah yeah i will i will not buy blind buys and i just did that blind buy video yep. blind buys for me are usually you know dollar store blind buys and or or if the vc tells me like look if you like this you will like this and hey look kevin gray did this or it's pressed here like you're gonna get a quality piece so blind buys are few and far between when it comes to you know high dollar purchases so i really need to use streaming in order to justify that purchase yeah. And I've had some losses, but mostly wins. Like, and thanks to streaming, that's uh, that keeps that ratio high. That's good. You mentioned a moment ago purchasing. It's your avenue for purchasing records. Our, I think, our purchasing experiences will probably be different as well. <laughs> Very I, different. You lucky. I, <laughs> there's two components to this, and please address either one or both if you want. Number one, I started buying. 30, almost 30 years before you did. So there's there's some differences there. I'm also very, very close to the largest city in the country. Jason and I are both Canadian, for those that are listening. I live very near Toronto, and Jason lives pretty close to Santa Claus um, yeah. or Sasquatch. I mean, he's he's pretty remote. So yeah. when it comes to buying, what, what has been your buying experience you said, you know, you got in in the pandemic, so you've been at this, you know, three or four years. Because of your remoteness, because of when you started purchasing records, how do you buy records and what's that experience like? I, I've had some pretty fortunate experiences considering, you know, my like where I'm at physically. But um, like I've like over the course of two or three years, I've acquired and gotten rid of sadly like big collections i think i had uh, i found about 1500 records once from a guy uh, in a town about 40 minutes away most like we're talking 90 percent of that I, were just no good and then uh i got access to a really beautiful collection that i'm still kind of peeking through but those are the exception to the rule right i uh, basically yeah i have to pay that crazy shipping like canada's shipping and all those duties and exchange rates and all that kind of stuff through the states it hurts it is not it is the most ridiculous hobby rob why am i doing this like, it's <laughs> yep. like what do you what was that line that everyone uses what do you like best the inconvenience or the cost right like it's uh but back to your point, yeah, it's basically been an online battle for me, right? And, you know, fingers crossed every time that the mailer's in good condition and all that kind of stuff. Now, hats off to, like, I, I live in uh, northern BC, about halfway up the province of British Columbia. So, yeah, about halfway to the Yukon or, or a little more. And uh, so to get to Vancouver is, you know, a, you know, an hour and a half flight or it's a 16-hour drive. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty out there. But, you know, hats off to a couple people in town that are trying to stock records and they stock some used stuff mainly. And, and it's 
so fun to dig. I don't care where I'm like, if I see records, I'm going to dig. And even if I know they're garbage, I'll still dig because I don't get that experience of being able to go to their shot, like proper record stores. Right. And I, anytime I travel to Vancouver or any other center, that's my goal. I'm going to a record store to have that experience. Cause yeah, it's all shipping for me um, for the most part. And it hurts. It is, it's a painful, uh, painful button to click when it says $20 to ship an album. Right. And we talked to our, our, comrades in the states there comrades colleagues yeah. in the states our v our fellow vc people and they're i think i asked them once like how much does it cost to ship a record and they're like you know five to ten bucks or something at most it's ridiculous like i'd be i'd be doing the vclt all over the place like i, I think yep. that's a beautiful thing about the vc and maybe we'll get into that but that uh that aspect of things is like i i, I would love to live in that world where shipping was cheap yeah i mean so the flip side of that though is that you can buy online and you have Discogs and you have eBay and you have all the other online music retailers you can buy from. Yeah. When I started collecting in 94, 95, the internet didn't exist. Yeah. Right. You had so no way to research anything. <laughs> there, I couldn't research anything. There was no eBay. There was no Discogs. There was no Amazon. So how did I buy records? Well, I, as I mentioned, I'm close to Toronto and there were record stores, but at that point in time, just about every record store, rec- music store had transitioned yeah. over to CD by that time. You know, in the early nineties, it was, you'd be hard pressed to find records in a record store. There were a couple used record stores in the town that I live in. And there were a few in Toronto, so I could go to record stores. Now, the plus side of the fact that there weren't a lot of record stores and not a lot of people were buying vinyl, it wasn't expensive and it was easy to get. And I'll use the example set off the top. I'm a big Beatles fan. I have all original Canadian first pressings of every Beatles album. Whoa. And by and large, they are flawless. Wow. They don't look like they're 50 years old. They look like they're 10 years old. No problem finding any of them. And I look at some of them, and I, you know, there's some of them. You know, I don't look at them all, all the time. I've got 200 Beatles records, and they're not the ones oh that my I God. play typically. But I'll pull out one of them, and I'm like, I gotta, I just got to check the Matrix number on this because no way this is an original because it's in this good a shape. And lo and behold, it is because I bought them in – 1994, when they were only 30 years old and no one was buying records on, on the scale that they are today. Everyone was moving to CDs, so people were getting rid of their records. So, yeah, I didn't have eBay and Discogs and all that kind of stuff, but I had access to those records because people were selling them and they weren't worth anything. So I'm thankful from that perspective that I, that I had those. Now, I still... I do a lot of buying on eBay and Discogs now because, you know, there's lots of stuff, you know, the hard to find stuff that I'm, you know, trying to track down or stuff from overseas or whatever. And I still use that to your point. Yeah. (laughs) Shipping kills you, but it's still nice to have that because we have access now to things that I didn't when I started. I'll go back to my Beatles analogy one more time. I'm trying to round out all of my, original first pressings uk beatles albums you don't find them here 
So I got to get them either on Discogs or on eBay from England, typically. A little more expensive yeah. than they were back in the day, but at least I have access to them when I didn't 30 years ago, unless I physically right. went, went to England mm-hmm. to get it. So it's been a, it's a very different, different buying experience when I started to, you know, what the buying experience is now. And I don't know if it's easier to build a collection now or harder. There's more available and there's more offers to buy it, but it's a hell of a lot more expensive. And there's more people like me that jump in the hobby that, you know, there's less records to go around. Tell me if I'm wrong here. Don't you find that it's pretty relatively easy to find Canadian OG pressings? Yep. Like I wouldn't say it's easy, yep. but like, it's almost like the secrets, you know, <laughs> the secrets not quite out yet that there's quite a few OG Canadian pressings of, of albums from yep. around the world. Yep. And, uh, it's not that hard to find. Like I've come across so many, there's so many in my collection. I'm like, really, this is a first pressing that like back to our original points about the greatness of vinyl, like to hold an original. And that, you know, that's seems to be kind of something that's kind of uh, come up in the zeitgeist of the VC over the last year is, is people saying notary issues and going back to OG collecting. And there is something special about holding that original. Like it's like, this is 50 years old. I have a, yeah, I think my oldest record's probably like, maybe there's a 60 year old record here. And, and like, Oh, you know what it was? One of my, one of my OG records that was still sealed was, and it's not that old, I guess it's in the seventies, that Canadian band lighthouse. Yes. And it's the yeah lighthouse live and it was still in the shrink. And of course the shrink is so old, it's just crumbling off it, but I pulled it out and I was just so thrilled. I'm like, this is the first time this piece of wax has seen the light of day right. since the factory put it in there. Like, yep. like I didn't feel bad opening. I know there's some people <laughs> that don't want to do that. That's totally cool. Do your thing. But I was like thrilled pulling that out. I'm like, wow, cool. Like no one has seen this. No one has touched this. Doesn't breathe there since, you know, 1970, whatever. Yep, I really, really enjoy that. But just back to your collecting uh, in the city thing. Did you ever, ever pick up an actual LP from Sam on Young Street? Absolutely. Sam, <laughs> Sam the record man. I, For those yeah. that are listening that are not Canadian, Sam the record man was a massive record store at Young and Dundas in Toronto. Uh, probably the biggest record store. And it was a landmark. It was huge. It had a giant, and I'll throw a picture up for those on YouTube, a giant sign that was these giant neon records that in neon lights, and they looked like they were spinning, and they were like two stories tall. And that was the record store. Um, it was awesome. Like when I visited Toronto, it was like I went like sister show me. Oh, there's Young Street. And, oh, there's Sam the Record Man. Like, oh my God, that's it. Because it was a yep. chain across Canada. Right. I remember when they started closing up. And by the time I got to Toronto, I think most of them had closed. But the Young Street the flagship store was still kind of running. And what a beautiful, what an icon, yeah. right? It's a, and it had been around for years. I have I have records of my dad's that he purchased for example. He purchased his copy of Beatles White Album the day that it came out. From Sam the Record Man on Young Street in sixty oh my gosh eight or nine or whenever it was that came See, out that's a wicked story and I have it and I have records that I bought at that same record store thirty years later I mean like my I've got an original first pressing of U2's Octung Baby I bought it at Sam the Record Man in Toronto so yeah you, that Rob do you th- would, do you think that our kids in thirty years are going to be on a stream like this saying I remember the day that that came out and I downloaded it from Apple. <laughs> Probably, not, no. from Apple. Probably not. Probably not. No, no. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I hope that our kids share the passion for music, but uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what's going to become of this collection. I, I got many more years, hopefully, knock on Ikea wood before I have to worry about that. So, yeah. yeah. But um, speaking of, you know, you know, our collections and what we do with them, what's, so you've only been doing this three, four years now. What's your collection look like? Is it is it si- not that size matters, but you know what? Give us give, give us an indication, like what? Uh, how how, uh, how yeah, deep so, have you dove in? Well, that brings up the point that I wanted to to relay, and I guess I'm going to sound like I hate using the word broken record. It feels like an analogy we're just not allowed to use anymore. But uh, I feel like if there's a listener out there that's that's new to collecting, and you if you haven't heard this before, I'll say it again. It's like be selective right from the start. Yes. Don't just, if you see a Gordon Lightfoot album and you want that album really bad at a, and it's like in a dollar bin and it's trashed, don't do it. There'll be others. Right. If you're going to collect records, don't bring crap home because you're just going to, you're going to run out of room. It's just inevitable. And I learned that lesson probably earlier than most, just because of the thanks to the VC basically. So I started strong, like within my first year of collecting, I had, I had this 1500, album collection in my basement whoa. and i and i whoa well, in a year you yes. had 1500 records so i was collecting records and I, to be honest, okay so end of the story is basically <laughs> right now i have about 300 albums okay so but when i first started i was you know collecting i probably had about 30 to 50 albums and then i got wind through this guy that i know that there's this older gentleman about 40 minutes away who's trying to get offload a bunch of records i'm like sweet i'm brand new to this hobby i can't get enough so i bring home two truckloads basically of of records over the course of a month and pay 300 bucks for 1500 albums 90 percent of them are not around here anymore i'll just say that right i got rid of them and maybe even more than 90 percent. so i basically paid 300 dollars for i don't know 25 albums that i still have right and However, the experience of going through all those was totally worth it, like 100%. I'll do it again, for sure. So I've had access to a lot of records. And that, to your point about how, to acu- how do I accumulate, well, I got rid of the crap. I got rid of stuff. And I'm trying to be as selective as I possibly can. I'm trying to stick to the original plan of I only want to own things that mean something to me. Turns out, as I learn more about music, they, they start to mean something to me, or I appreciate the history of a label or of an artist, and I want to have that. So, so I'm about 300 records in, and I'm trying my hardest. And usually, and I guess my geographical geographical location really helps to keep those numbers low because sure. I'd have to pay top dollar for everything to come into the house, right? right. So, I, I got a lot of pride in my collection. Like I really do think what I have is is. Uh, is admirable or respectable to to people that like my genres of music and and not that that's what this is about but i'm pretty proud of the records i have and i don't have a lot of filler right like what do they say all killer no filler not quite to that level but but i got about 300 albums and my my collection like my listening tastes for the most part are are rock right i just like classic rock i like you know i like a bit of grunge because pearl jam's my number one favorite band it always will be and but I'm really a fan of classic rock stuff uh, and old blues stuff. Like, you know, give me the Robert Johnson, the Sunhouse, the sure. the little Walter, all that kind of old blues stuff. I want all that stuff. And someday I'll have originals of, of the things that matter to me. But uh, folk, blues, psych, rock, that's kind of where I go. I don't have 
much of a flavor for country. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Like Coulter Wall, Canadian singer songwriter, country like more of an outlaw country guy. He's he is high on my list of someone that I'm going to end up collecting all of. But that's about as close to country as I get. Sure. Um, hip hop or hip hop. Don't know anything about it. And I feel terrible about that because I know it's a massive genre. I know there's a lot of talent. Yeah, and but I you don't have to like everything, right? No, I don't. But I kind of want to. I kind of want to be introduced to this. Sure. Like if I'm. I want to be someone that's, you know, well-versed in a lot of genres, but my God, it takes time to, to listen. A lot of work. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. So I, uh, I got about 300 albums and most of them are blues, rock, psych, folk. And is uh, it mostly older, like original pressings most, or later reissues, or do you have a lot of new vinyl? What What's the makeup there? I would say I have about, I don't know. I'd be, Kind of taking taking a big guess here, saying fifty fifty kind of newer sure. stuff versus old either originals or reissues, right? Like stuff pre pre nineteen ninety, I'd say is the majority of my collection for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and I'm kind of starting to go down that road of really appreciating more owning OGs. But when I know that a newer record is pressed properly and it's had the good hands on it of you know, your Kevin Gray's, your Bernie Grundman's, and all that, I I will look to collect those, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, again, I'm trying to just only bring in stuff that I know I will always want to listen to. I, you know, and I say that full well knowing that, like, I've already run out of room in my in my cabinets in the other room there. I've already run out of room. There are already records on the floor, stacked nicely, mind you. Of course. But I'm trying to figure out my solution to record storage now. And I say I'm going to be a really nitpicky collector, but... You know, I'd be surprised if in my lifetime I don't hover around the 1,000 mark, and that's 700 albums away. But I got time, and I've, I'm learning patience with this hobby. Uh, again, thanks to my geographical location and the fact that I'm not a millionaire, I can kind of, <laughs> sure. I can slow slow my roll a bit. But sure, this is one of those instances where our experiences are nearly identical. Actually, I I have that sort of same philosophy that to use your line, "all killer, no filler." Everything that I have, I listen to. Um, nice. I've been doing it 30, 30 years, whatever. How big is yours, Rob? I only have <laughs> 700 records. That's and I say beautiful. only, like 700 is a pretty absurd amount of records when you think about it. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but when you see other people like Mazzy in his giant room or, you About know. 7,000, yeah. There's guys that just have massive walls of records behind them. I got about 700 albums in 30 years. So you can tell I'm quite selective about what I buy. I love it. I started, um, you know, with older stuff. I mentioned I'm a classic rock guy. Beatles, the band, um, Creedence, Fleetwood Mac. That, that That was what got me into music as a teenager in the 90s when all my friends were listening to Pearl Jam, Nirvana, which... Doesn't interest me. Didn't then, still doesn't now. I was a classic rock guy. So that's where I started. And for a very long time, it was just, you know, it was older vinyl. And then, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, as albums came out through the 90s and the early 2000s, if by chance they came out on vinyl, I'd find a way to get it on vinyl. U2 was one of those bands that never stopped releasing vinyl. So I have all those albums from the 90s and the early 2000s on vinyl that they've since reissued mm-hmm. in the last, you know, 
eight or nine years. But for the longest time, there were only the OGs, and they're very expensive. So, you know, Octung Baby and Zuropa, um, All That You Can't Leave Behind. You know, those albums were impossible to find, and I bought them when they first came out. And there was do, you, a few- do you have an OG of Octung Baby? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. God, that's a wicked album. I need that. Yeah, for bought it at Sam the Record Man. So, uh, <laughs> so great. Yep. So, I had some new vinyl, but then when the you know vinyl resurgence started around, I don't know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, something that was when you know vinyl started to make a comeback, and more and more stuff was getting released. I was like, this is great. I'll buy some reissues. I'll buy those albums that. You know, were never previously available on vinyl, and I love that, and I still buy those. You know, there's albums being released every single day that didn't see original vinyl release years ago, so I love that because, you know, I've got some of those albums on CD, but I don't really want to go and – it's not that I'm anti-CD. I just don't enjoy the experience, and my brain just doesn't go, hey, go over to the CDs and grab that album. I'd rather just – Yeah, just, yeah. So I'm glad to see a lot of those. So I shifted and I went sort of all new vinyl for a very long time. And within the last couple of What's that? No, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Within the last couple of years, I've really dialed back on the new vinyl. It's expensive. It's way more expensive than it used to be. And especially in Canada, we are getting, we've been hit in the last couple of years with some really, really hefty price increases from the major labels. Our record prices have gone up. 40, 50% in some cases on new vinyl. And I'm going 60 bucks, 50 bucks for a new I know. vinyl record. And if I got to pay shipping, I'm paying like 80 bucks for, I'm like, I'm out. I'm, I'm So now I'm in a, I'm in a phase where I'm going back and plugging holes in my collection with older records. I don't care if they're first pressings, they could be, you know, an album from the 60s, it was reissued in the 70s. Cool. I don't care. I just want to own that record if it's in yeah. good shape. Let me, let me, there's a ton of stuff. I mean, our collections are never complete. I love classic rock, and there's a ton of classic rock that I don't have on vinyl. So I'll go to flea markets, I'll go to record shows, and I'll look for, you know, things that I'm missing. And I'd rather pay 10 or $15 for a 70s reissue of something. Then pay sixty bucks for something that's brand new, unless it's something that I really, really, really have to have. But circling back to the answer to my own question, I'm like you; it's very selective because it's expensive. It is. It's funny you mentioned CDs there, and I got you know I don't know a hundred CDs or whatever it is because that was the format to collect when I was you know in university yep. collecting all that stuff. And I'm still I don't I don't really listen to them hardly ever actually I never listen to them, but my son will actually put a cd on which i totally endorse right he'll put his cds on and, and it's pretty super cool that they still do that but i think it's funny in the vc how um depending on i guess the personality but people will always sort of put that caveat i'm not against this i'm not against this and it's like yeah i'm not crapping on cds or streaming they definitely have they've served their purpose right they they got me listening to music a lot more and and they they make me an attentive and, and a smart listener. Of course. Yeah, I don't touch them anymore either. Funny anecdote. I must have done something right as a father. I have a seven-year-old son, and he is used to me playing records, and he sees me playing records all the time, and he sees me doing the YouTube thing, and he goes, oh, not another one of your silly videos. 
but he knows what a record is and he understands how it works and whatever. And one yeah. day I took out a CD and he goes, dad, what's that? I'm like, it's a CD. And he goes, what's a CD? I'm like what has music on? He goes, that's not a record. And I'm like, yeah, I did it. I, yeah, that's right. I raised this boy. We'll just right. Stop the conversation there. You don't need to know anymore. Son. I, I, I raised <laughs> this boy. Right. It was, uh, it was pretty, 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 pretty funny. So definitely a good part of the hobby too, is, is kind of, if you're a parent to, to get your kids to appreciate the idea of listening to music. Like, I don't care what format they'll end up using in life, or I don't really don't care what artists they listen to, but if they can learn something from, from me, it's just that if you're going to put someone's art on, you're going to pay attention to the art, right? You know, it doesn't matter what style of music it is. Like Taylor Swift, great example. My daughter's a Swifty massive fan, right? I got nothing against Taylor. I don't know. I don't know enough about her. And, I, and there's albums that I would like to explore based on your passion for and, and my daughter's as well. Yeah. And like, good, like, that's great. You found an artist you're passionate about. Just remember that person is super popular for a reason, right? I don't care, you know, what you could say about various artists that have climbed the ladder really quickly. They all have some kind of talent. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to maintain that right. level or to, to be there to put out an album. So pay attention to what they're doing. I don't care how you do it, but they want you to hear what they're saying. So yep. please, if you're going to put time in, you know, pay attention and really put the time in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As we're, as we're drawing to the end here, what's, uh, what's your, what's your focus these days? What are the, what are the, what's the kind of stuff you're on the hunt for? What's your, your taste du jour? Yeah, I, I, uh, my Discogs want list is, is pretty, uh, pretty specific. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, because I'm a nerd for pressings and all that. When I finally figure out, okay, I do want this album, I will make sure that I have the exact pressings I want. And so, if I ever get a chance to go to a store, you know, I will like on the way to the store, I'll be scrolling through, looking at the covers, getting them in my mind, and I'll be ready to pick when I'm there. But my uh, my want lists are again kind of my genre. So usually, um, usually kind of 60s, 70s rock and psych. And I'm always on the hunt for any kind of acoustic blues stuff. I really liked how Analog Productions did some really fantastic reissues, and yep. I got a few of them. Um, anytime an artist, anytime a description of an album is, it feels like the artist is in the room, I'm all in. Like, I'm like, I want that album. So Muddy Waters, the folk singer that AP did, and then uh, there's a Lightning Hopkins that AP did on the Prestige, uh, on their reissue series for that. Like, that kind of stuff I could sit and listen to all day. Anything acoustic related. Uh, I just want to sit and listen so bad. Right. Um, but ultimately, uh, yeah, I am still in the hunt for the genres that I've always liked. I've dipped my toe into the whole jazz world and, and I have a massive respect for those artists. Um, but, uh, I have like, you know, five or six jazz albums, whereas other people are exclusively jazz. And I get that that's super cool and awesome passion, but, um, but mainly, yeah, my, uh, my tastes are, I haven't veered off too far. Now that being said, I really do enjoy learning from the VC about different styles of music. And I haven't gotten into anything electronica or any kind of, you know, you know what they call library music and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I do one day want to learn about all this stuff, but like you said before, it's like, you know, there's, there's only so much time and you don't have to know everything, but uh, yeah, I, I like, uh, I, I want to find some rare stuff. I think it's super cool to, to pick up an album. That's, that's different, not necessarily blind by, but uh, not because I want to try to be different, but just because I'm, I don't know. I, I've heard, I've heard a lot of classic rock, and I think I want to sort of veer off into different directions. Like I think uh, 
mainly right now, I'd say in the last few months, I've been kind of on this kick to learn more about sort of funky music. And I picked up the Meters album that uh, Kevin Gray did through Jackpot Records. That I spun that last night again. That is a fantastic listen. Um, yeah, I guess. Sorry, long quite long answer to a short question. I, I'm I'm loving exploring everything, and uh, and I won't really turn down any kind of music. Well, you, you make a good point, and you you brought up you know suggestions from the VC and and learning about new things, and I think you mentioned it earlier on. There's a thing in the vinyl community called VCLT, which the uninitiated yeah. is an acronym for Vinyl Community Love Train. Don't know who came up with it, but often uh, those of us that make videos and that on YouTube will send records to each other, uh, things we think they might like. And that's a, that's a, a wonderful, I've given some and I've received some and it's a great way to get exposed to, you know, things that you hadn't heard previously. I did a video a few weeks ago. I got some VCLT yes. from Matt at Prime Analog Records. Um, I just watched that, yeah. And he sent me awesome. some stuff way, Gino <laughs> way out of my – I knew Gino Vanelli was coming, way out of my yeah. comfort zone. And I liked some of it a lot. I liked some of it fine and, you know – yeah, one of them I was like, yeah, whatever. But I just I love the exploration part of it. So uh, the vinyl community is a great resource for learning about other things and and going way outside your comfort zone or even finding other acts within the genres that you like. You know that you may not have heard of. It's a great it's a great resource. It is really good and uh, and I really admire and you you know I watch a ton of channels like uh, you know i've subbed to maybe over 100 channels right and i try to absorb as much as i can and you can see the and this isn't uh, meant in the pejorative sense but like there's little factions like little groups of people and you can see there's a little click how they how, yeah and i you know and there's more pros and cons to that i think and i love observing the guys that know each other's tastes really well oh you'll like this and like oh i know like sam sam did a video and he said oh yeah and forget who he referenced, but oh yeah, MGK Boston or whatever, you'll like this one. Or, you know, Rob will like this one. You should try this. And like getting to know other guys on that level to, I think that's just a wonderful benefit of the VC in general. That's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to get involved, right? That sense of community and, and learning about other tastes. And and yeah, it's just, uh, it's been very rewarding in that sense. And the VCLT aspect like that, that's the icing on the cake. That is the coolest thing ever. Uh, sure, it's cheaper in the States to do that. And if I lived down there, I'd be throwing records all over the place. Uh, shout out to Chance, concert buddy there, because he he sent me something. It was actually before I started the channel. And the thrill I got from receiving a record in the mail, like I thought that was just the kindest thing ever. Um, you know, you're sharing you're sharing art. In this case, it was kind of a more of a, a comedy type of thing. But right. it, was, it was pretty meaningful. I thought it was awesome. And hats off to everyone that continues to do that. Oh, that's great. You you mentioned Mike at MGK Boston. He's going to be here at Northern Revolutions World Headquarters in three weeks. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. He's, he's coming. Awesome. To, he's, I love his videos. He's coming. I love to his town. Friday cheers. <laughs> he's coming to town. Him and his wife Patty. They're going to be here, and I have some VCLT for him. So rather than send it to him, I'm just going to give it to him while he's here, and we'll probably shoot a video. So save you the thirty dollars to yeah. mail it across the well, border. <laughs> that wasn't my that wasn't my initial motive, but when I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, that's that's probably a smart way to do it. So. Yeah, yeah. 
That will do it for today's episode. Thank you, Jason, for joining me today. That was a, a fun discussion. And it's, you know, we both are passionate about this hobby and we both had very different journeys to ultimately end up at the same place. So, uh, uh, well said. I really appreciate the opportunity, Rob. Uh, you've been such a champion for, uh, for introducing new channels and of course pushing out the Canadian content. So keep up the great work on your end. Uh, it really motivates me. Well, you do a great job, man. I'm really, I'm really glad that you decided to uh, jump in and you're a very welcome permanent addition to the team on our Wednesday night uh, live stream that we do from Glenn's basement. So um, awesome. Glad to have you aboard, man. For those that want to, please check out uh, Jason Arsenault on YouTube, a new channel in the vinyl community uh, with a great knowledge of music and a far better presenter than I am. So thank you, Jason. <laughs> and uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, this has been another installment of the Vinyl Community Podcasts. Mm -hmm.